Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is everybody's favorite Klimbo, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, I'm doing good, Cortland. Glad to be somebody's favorite something. <sighs> no, it's a tough job, but you know, somebody's got to be the Klimbo. It's better than being the worst Klimbo, you know? You could be a small child in a box. Well, today, we have another special guest. We have Joey from the Big Orange Couch podcast. How you doing, Joey? Oh, I'm doing fabulous. I'm ready to talk meats with uh, Up All Night. Oh my gosh. Here's <laughs> some gourmets. I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you guys had asked, you know, if there was an episode I was particularly interested in in season six. And um, this is it. This is the <laughs> this is the one I was yeah, interested in. This is in. the right one. <laughs> I totally agree. You know, I, I, I think I reached out to you a couple weeks ago. We were on like, I don't know, Virtual Pets or something. And I was like, Man, you want to be on the podcast? And you were like, only for gruesome gourmets. And I was like, oh, geez, okay. <laughs> that episode has like a 3.0 on IMDb, but whatever. <laughs> Let's be honest. You reached out season one, and I, sa- I said, I'll wait for gruesome gourmets. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even start the podcast yet. And I was like, Joey. <laughs> we're thinking about doing a podcast. <laughs> Hard pass on laughing in the dark. Let me know when you get to gruesome gourmets. <laughs> <laughs> And quite frankly, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So do you want to tell us about uh, your podcast, Big Orange Couch Podcast? I'm a fan. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me. It's just kind of like uh, you guys. It's me and my best bud, Andrew, and we talk about all things 90s Nick. So like, we'll do kind of what you guys do with episode reviews. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of whatever fits our mood. It might be Pete and Pete, Clarissa, Rocco, Doug. Uh, we do things called like verses where we debate certain Nickelodeon stuff. We write our own episodes. We do lists. Um, so if it's '90s Nick, we talk about it. Though we are slightly biased towards Are You Afraid of the Dark and The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Cool. Have you done Caitlin's Way yet? Was that '90s? <laughs> was that 2000? <laughs> that that was like right on the edge of it. We have not done uh, Caitlin's Way and A Hundred Deeds for Eddie McDowd. I oh, think are no. the two we have just blatantly uh, omitted. <laughs> Caitlin's Way really needs its own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it had like three seasons, didn't Eddie McDowd have three seasons or something? Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, we, I think we've talked about before, like my brother and me having one season, but. Oh. Uh, you That's know, a shame. We needed three seasons of a boy being a dog. Um, <laughs> well, he's a dog forever, so. <laughs> I mean, at least they had a happy end. You know, we got the laugh at the end. <laughs> yeah, if I had a genie, I would totally be like, I wish for more seasons of my brother and me. <laughs> Love that show. <laughs> yeah, we do too. I like the variety. I love that. You guys have a lot of guests and yeah. stuff on there too, which is awesome. Yeah, it's usually it's usually our buddies, uh, like just growing up throughout life, our friends. But we've branched out. We we're starting to have, especially like during this time period, we're starting to have more listeners, and um, we've interviewed a few people, um, DJ McHale, Will McRobb, and that's been cool. You know, the podcast world's kind of kind of strange. We thought you know two people would listen to us and. Uh, <laughs> it's like like five so it's it's been cool <laughs> yeah that's exactly when we started we were like hey even if nobody listens to it but us and like our wives or something we're still gonna do it <laughs> right yeah exactly well we were super happy to have you on the show talking about the gruesome gourmets mm-hmm. i should say that the reason i picked this episode in february andrew and i did a like 
because I hadn't seen a lot of season six or seven either. So we did a yeah. And knowing knowing that we wouldn't contribute a lot of time to the episode reviews, we just did like a full season ranking. It's like a three hour episode. Yeah. And this was our biggest disagreement. Um, he Andrew thought Gruesome Gourmets was the worst episode of season six, oh, and I no. put it in my to- I put it in my top five. Um, and so. <laughs> I, I didn't want to drag him through an episode review, um, so this oh, is like me. I feel like of... you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Brandon's going to be the voice of reason. Good. I okay. Spoilers. I love this episode. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's uh, it's Good. It, it gives me those full moon vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that, full that's... moon. That's something I'm going to mention multiple times, I feel. Yeah, it's like a spiritual successor to Full Moon, almost. Yeah. I just love Are You Afraid of the Darks hit or miss that are trying something. You know, like, give me less of um, Hungry Hounds or um, <laughs> Jagged Sign. Oh, yeah. Ugh, Jagged Sign. You know, yeah. it, not not that they're awful, but they're not, like, trying anything. I, I appreciate uh, Full Moon or gruesome gourmets where it feels like they're like let's have some fun this week i couldn't agree more i love it i think we should just talk about it (laughs) okay sorry sorry let's do it (laughs) let's get into it okay so our episode starts up and we see megan flipping up a tablecloth and she sits down over a little table and she reaches over and she grabs a candle saying there's one thing that everyone does and she sets it down saying and that's eat most people love to eat and the camera pans over to Tucker, who is staring intently at Megan, which pans over to see Quinn doing the same. And Megan says, others eat only because they have to. <laughs> and others will eat anything, as long as there's plenty of it. And the camera pans more, and we see Vange and Andy sitting on the couch. And Vange is eating some trail mix or something, and she smiles, saying, that's me! And Andy chuckles, saying, me too! <laughs> yeah, I feel like they added Vange in there at the end, like, oh... We'll, we'll include Vange here so we're not just, like, zooming in on Andy. A crash zoom. If we have to. Some people eat everything. Andy's like, is this me? <laughs> Poor Andy. Midnight Society all turned to look at him. Yeah, that's what happens when you're in uh, Manaha and you're Augustus Gloop. Like, oh, where's this food? <laughs> I've got to say, though, this is now the like the fourth week in a row that we see somebody who's dragged a piece of furniture into the woods. Oh, my God. I know. Right? There's a couch. Yeah. There's chairs. And now there's a table. <laughs> They've got half an Ikea showroom in the woods now. <laughs> I know you guys haven't finished the season, but there's a flat screen by the end. I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> next week is not on a clearance event. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even telling their own stories anymore. They're just watching seasons one through five. <laughs> That might be an improvement. Oh, I'm just going to stop for one second. Joey, what do you think about the fact that Tucker didn't invite Stig back to the Midnight Society? In- incredibly messed up. Um, <laughs> what a horrible I mean, friend. <laughs> yeah, at least like give us some backstory. Like there was a falling out or Stig died. Uh, you know, you, you can't just cut. You can't just cut your best bud who told Dead Man's Float. Yeah, but um, he did it. Tucker's a cold motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he is cold. I'd want to uh, know what line Stig would have to cross for Tucker to be like, whoa, dude, that's fucking it. 
Because he was already kind of a dirtbag. Yeah, I don't know. So back with Megan, she's now got a wine glass set up on the table, and Tucker lights her candle, I think from the campfire, and hands it back to her as she says, some people think that eating is the most important thing there is. And Quinn pipes up with a joke saying that, and those people are called chubsters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. There's There's a bit of fat shaming it's it's so close to being progressive like if they would have just been willing to be like hey like eating it like people who enjoy eating are fine right yeah they they're not they don't like... have to be cannibals <laughs> 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 i mean jeffrey dahmer was a cannibal and he was slim so that's what i uh, thought <laughs> cannibals can be anyone <laughs> that's the moral <laughs> Oh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Megan tells him, no, it's not because they eat a lot. It's because they're very picky about what they eat. And she starts unfolding some silverware from a napkin. And Tucker's all, you mean because of allergies? And Megan says, no, these people love a certain kind of food so much, they'll do anything to get it. Anything. And if someone gets in their way, well. <laughs> the kids all look at each other, and Megan grabs a pouch of monkey bone dust sand, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story... And she uses a damn wine glass filled with monkey bone dust and she throws it over the table and into the fire. <laughs> Straight up <That>. wings it. <sighs> the nerve. The tale of the gruesome gourmets. <laughs> yeah. She seriously is Kristen 3.0. She grabbed, she dragged an entire dining set out of the woods, complete with the little table. <laughs> Look, from day one, she's been trying to just deconstruct the Midnight Society <laughs> and rebuild it (laughs) she's like all right let's go to my dad's house we'll sit on (laughs) lazy boys yeah Yeah. she's like out kristen to kristen at this point and she's gotten one episode where she's had a story the tale begins and we are panned through a dirty room full of clothes and it pans up and over a model train set which is likely full of train magic it's that train magic son just imagine the train magic days (laughs) So then we see someone's hand lying out, like out of the bed. You know, it's slumped over. And another person is bringing up a bucket of water to that hand. And they submerge the whole damn hand. And the camera moves up and the kid sleeping smiles. And the kid with the bucket laughs. And then the sleeping kid wakes up because I think he peed himself. That's what it's implying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the kid with the bucket just dumps it all over this kid's bed and laughs and runs away. Can you imagine that little shit. Oh my god. <laughs> like the the hand in the water thing's bad enough. That's already like, oh dude, come on. But then he just throws it on him. I yeah. I can't imagine anything being worse than just having a bucket of water dumped all over my bed. Yeah. No, that's that's the worst way to start the day. That I mean, you get up, you dry off, and then you go back to sleep because like your day's ruined. Just go to sleep, start the next one. <laughs> yeah. And standard protocol is that you just stick someone's hand in a cup. What's what's up with the bucket? It's really weird, too, because um, the rest of this episode, these kids pretty much get along. So I don't know what yeah. is going on here. Yeah. The first couple of scenes with these characters, I was like, oh, man, they just, like, recreated Sam from Crimson Clown. Yeah. That's but, what I, I mean, it's, it's not really like that for most of the episode. Just saying Sam's name gives me post-traumatic stress. <laughs> oh god so these two kids are tommy who's in the bed and david is that little prankster scamp 
And Tommy, he is played by Patrick Thomas, whose last role was in 2002 in a TV series called Vampire High. And he was also in Goosebumps' Say Cheese and Die Again. Mm. Didn't catch that one. I didn't either, actually. Not a, I'm not much of a Goosebumps kid. The the show, the book, or both? I read more of the books. I didn't watch the show that much. Yeah, same here. I, so here's what happened. My brother is a couple of years older than me, and he got all of the Goosebumps books, and I wanted to be cool. So I would, you know, attempt to read them, but I was, it just wasn't really my thing. Yeah. The show never quite, I, I just always felt Are You Afraid of the Dark was, um, you know, the better version. Better. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Brandon, on the other hand, had one of his, like, most beloved pictures taken with uh, the books The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight or whatever. I liked the covers of the Goosebumps books. If I could just yeah. have the covers of all the books as trading cards, I probably would have never read them at all. <laughs> yeah, those things were works of art for sure. I agree. David is played by Justin Bradley, who had a much bigger acting career, like being an Arthur, just like everybody else in this show. <laughs> he also did voices in a show called Rotten Ralph, which is a really weirdly animated cat show. And he was in Fred's Head, and both of those had Richard Dumont in them. Oh, oh cool. That's interesting. Yeah. We get some zany music, and we see Mom walk by, and then David comes running down some stairs, and he takes a seat, and he takes a bite out of some toast. And he calls out, good morning, Tommy, have an accident in bed? And Tommy runs up to him yelling about an accident and starts putting David in a chokehold when Mom runs up to stop that shit. And she pulls them (laughs) apart, yelling about how she doesn't have time for natural disasters this morning, and that some new tenants are moving in today. And she tells Tommy to make sure that they get the keys. David pipes up saying, I thought you didn't want to rent the place for a while. And mom tells the kids that she didn't, but these people took one look at the big kitchen and offered her twice what it's worth. Yeah. And just like any good Are You Afraid of the... Well, I mean, a lot of the best Are You Afraid of the Darks have just what seems like a single mom. You know, so she's Mm -hmm. hustling. And I I respect that. Yeah, that is kind of a theme. It's either the parents are terrible, uh, single moms, or a combination of both. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Tommy asks why the kitchen's so important, and Mom giggles, saying, oh, oh, you'll see. Mom ruffles Tommy's hair and asks, Why are you all wet? And David smiles, and Tommy attempts to explain, but Mom doesn't give a shit. She smooches his <laughs> forehead, saying, Tell me later, and then tells him to dry off before candy gets there. Yeah, I kind of wish all their names were food items. Oh, me too. Once, yes. Once you have <clears throat> right, you have Chuck and Candy, it's like, come on, just, just try to finish this yeah. whole thing off. They went so far. Just finish it. <laughs> Well, I see what Collect I think happened is they couldn't think of any more food names that wouldn't um, like intersect with the food items they find in the freezer later because they didn't oh. want to call him Frank if they were going to use Frankenbeans or, you know, Patrick or Patty or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess there is. They, I think they so just many. ran out of food names. Yeah, that's a good point. David groans saying that they don't need a babysitter, but mom snaps back that that's like saying a zoo doesn't need cages and she smooches David. She waves away saying, be good. And David looks at Tommy who scowls at him and then she chases him up the stairs. And that scene fades and now we're outside and David, um, he's like sneaking around out of the garage with his bike and he gets on it and he starts to ride away when Tommy opens up a door and he walks out yelling, hey, don't go weaseling off. We got to wait for the new tenants. And David tells Tommy that that's his job and he's the responsible one. But Tommy pulls the helmet out from behind his back saying, forget something. And David jumps off his bike. <laughs> Isn't it weird, though? Like, you can't just, like, forget a helmet if, like... No. 
It's either on your head or it's not. (laughs) I feel like David's one of those kids who would never wear a helmet anyway. He's the type of kid who leaves his bike in the middle of the street when he gets off of it. Uh, Man. (laughs) (laughs) I always hated it when kids would just, like, get off their bike and throw it to the ground and walk away. No, you you got to use the stand. For sure. Well, David jumps off his bike as Tommy says that he's the smart one, too. And David runs up yelling, give me that. And then his bike gets run over by a purple car. (laughs) Out of the car walks a girl, and she waves saying, hi, guys. And her boyfriend or whatever points at the bike like, you know, like, how did that get there? And the girl, her name is Candy, asks, hey, what happened? And the guy looks at the kid saying, you ruined my paint job. And this guy, he talks weird. I don't know if I can emulate it. Yeah, he no. uh, he talks weird though. He talks weird, and he looks like he's like twenty eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when I saw these two people get out of the car, that's like the hard point where this episode went from just a normal episode, and then I saw these two, and I was like, "Wait, what the hell is this episode?" Because <laughs> I just saw what these characters were wearing, like Candy in her fuzzy blue sweater, wearing oven mitts with a fifties hairstyle. Yes. And Chuck in a Hawaiian shirt and a varsity jacket or something. I'm like, what are we doing here? (laughs) They're going for it. Like, I would assume this episode definitely has that Ron Oliver charm. Yeah. But he's not involved in it. So, I don't know. Yeah, I would agree that. I would agree with that. It definitely has that kind of feel. David walks down some steps yelling, paint job, you killed my bike. And this jock looking dude walks up to this kid saying, look here, meatball. Driveways are for cars, not bikes. (laughs) So I hope you guys like food references. Oh my god, there's (laughs) so so many. many. So many food references. From a ways away, a guy looks behind him at another guy and smiles. And the jock kid grabs David's coat and pulls him close saying, You're going to pay for this pork chop because if you don't, I'm going to burn you like toast. (laughs) It's like the writer's room that day was like, let's just go for it. What do we got? (laughs) Give me your food puns. It's so crazy. Oh, my God. Like, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg, and just, like, you see the whole thing by the end of this episode. (laughs) Candy feebly apologizes to David and then walks away. And Tommy looks at David saying, pork chop. And David's all, gee, thanks for helping. And Tommy asks what he was supposed to do since the guy's a gorilla. And then we hear someone set something down. And we look over, and there's this... There's there's big adult dudes setting down their suitcases, and one of them says that he certainly is a strapping fellow. And the other agrees, saying, "Built like a side of beef." <laughs> yeah, the acting here from these two is so over the top; it's incredible. Okay, good. I was gonna ask. So, do you guys like it? Because there's the over the top where people are like, "No, not my thing," or over the top like this is fun. I think that everybody. Well, besides the kids, like, they're normal. But, like, everybody gives this over-the-top performance that I kind of love. So, I'm good with it. Yeah, if it was just one person giving a performance like this in an episode that was otherwise, you know, trying to be a bit dark and scary, it would be like, what What are they doing? But it fits. It fits in this episode. It almost seems necessary for an episode that's about cannibalism, like on a kid's show, that you have to you're gonna have <laughs> to balance true. that yeah. with some like that could definitely be stuff. way too dark <laughs> yeah tommy looks at these guys asking if there's something that he can do for them and the two guys introduce themselves as mr pym and mr collins and they're their new neighbors so tommy and david give them like a smile introducing themselves as well and mr collins looks at the kids saying that that they're very little and pym adds that they're <laughs> in desperate need of meat on them bones <laughs> 
<laughs> not 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 a uh, not a thing you should say to children. No, it's creepy. <laughs> I'm going to eat you later. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. I'm going to eat you up. Tommy doesn't skip a beat and hands the two guys the keys and offers to show them the apartment, but Mr. Collins tells them no, it's not necessary, and they relish discovering new places on their own. And Pim agrees saying that they just gobble it up. And they laugh for a half a second and then say adieu and walk away. And the boys giggle at each other since this is the 90s. And these are two guys that are clearly gay. And then the guys stop and Mr. Collin turns around saying, oh, we're interviewing housekeepers this afternoon. Would you boys be lambs and send them directly to us? And David tells him, sure, no problem. And Tommy adds in, you got it. And Mr. Collin says, toodaloo. And they walk away as the boys laugh some more at themselves we got a ton of characters to meet, so you guys ready for this? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But before we meet them, it, it is a it is a strange request to ask two little boys to like be the ones showing people to their apartment. Yeah, I agree. They could just like, have why? a sign out. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're upstairs. They haven't even unloaded anything to like get into this apartment, and they're already looking for a housekeeper. <laughs> So first character that we've got is the mom. She's played by Giovanna Caruba, who was in exactly four things. She was in this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, a movie called 2000 and None, another called Mambo Italiano, and one episode of The Dead Zone. All right. So she went out on top. Yes. (laughs) She is more famous than me. The babysitter Candy is played by Jessica McKenzie, who is in one episode of Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. Have you guys covered a lot of Mystery Files of Shelby Woo? We've covered approximately one episode of the Mystery Files of Shelby <laughs> Woo. Oh, you guys got to get on that did, Shelby uh, Woo train. <laughs> we we did a uh, we did the haunted house mystery, which was you know an average amount of fun. Okay. <laughs> Jessica was also in a movie called Two Seconds, which was actually uh, an hour and forty minutes long. So I don't know what they're advertising. And she did some voices in Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. Candy's boyfriend, whose name is Chuck, he is played by Anakin Slade, which is a pretty damn cool name. Whoa. That, that is a cool name. That's Frank Scorpion levels of cool. Oh, fuck. Frank Scorpion. <laughs> Forgot about Frank Scorpion for a second there. What episode was he in? Was it Prisoner's Past? Yeah, he was the dad. The dad in Prisoner's Past. <laughs> His name was Frank Scorpion. But it was like S-C-H-O-R-P-I-O-N. So you have to say it like Sean Connery. Scorpion. (laughs) Frank Scorpion. (laughs) Uh, Well, Mr. Anakin Slade, he also did some voices in Assassin's Creed 3 with his girl Candy, as well as playing Dean Winchester in the Supernatural animated series. On top of that, he did some writing for Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the video game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. It's a good game. Mr. Pym, I'm probably going to say his name wrong. He was played by Quasi Songui. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's wrong. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but that's wrong. It's K-W-A-S-I. Okay, I don't know. Quasi? Quasi? I don't know. Quasi? Quasi. (laughs) Quasi? Uh, I'm sorry. If you're listening, Quasi, <laughs> I don't mean to make fun of your name. You can make fun of my name. It's okay. <laughs> He's been in a ton of stuff, uh, but surprisingly, this role in Are You Afraid of the Dark was only his third acting role. Hmm. Yeah, they seen this and they were like, whoa, <laughs> I want you in everything. <laughs> he blew up. Yeah. 
Since then, he's been in tons of movies, TV shows, and video games, including the 2008 Prince of Persia. Oh, oh I love that game. I know, me too. He's also in Far Cry 2 and 3. He was in the movie 300, and he was even oh. in stuff this year with an episode of a show called Kim's Convenience. He's got a great voice. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when he listens to this, I love you, Quasi. <laughs> <laughs> quasi about Quasi. And finally, for now, we have Mr. Collins. And he's played by the late Gordon Maston, who unfortunately oh, no. just passed away this year in July of 2020. Oh, no. I know. Rest in peace, Gordon. I'm not even sure I can finish the episode, guys. <laughs> we have to do it in, his, in a tribute for him now. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. What's his real name? Gordon Maston. Which is Gordon okay. Mast. He is a very like prolific voice actor, and he's been in a lot of stuff. But he didn't even have a Wikipedia page, which is bullshit. That's really weird. We last saw this guy. Did you know that that he has been in the show before? No, mm, no, I didn't catch it. He was in the very first episode. He was the gym teacher screaming at Bostick and the boys in the tale of the Twisted Claw. Huh. That's yeah. Cool. I went back. I I couldn't believe that. I was like, that was the last thing I expected was him to be in the show again. And I look back, and yeah, it's him, but like he's not in it for very much, and he's a little bit thinner. Is he rocking the goatee? Uh, I don't know. He has like a megaphone over his face most of the time. <laughs> Maybe he's either got a megaphone, it. or it's the scene where like the boys are like, "What happened to Bostick?" And he's like, "Oh, his legs are shattered, <laughs> 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 writhing on the floor." <laughs> oh boy! You know, are you guys familiar with Tenacious D? Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me of Kyle a little bit from Tenacious D. Oh, yeah. I could totally yeah, see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Gordon also did a ton of voice work in the 80s for some classic TV shows, like playing Big Mouth Koopa in The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3 and the Super Mario World TV series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He was also in a show called Star Wars Droids, which is a prequel with C-3PO and R2-D2, and I'm pretty sure I didn't see that one on Disney+, Plus, so I don't know what happened to it. I had that one on VHS. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I did. Brandon. Oh, Joey. Brandon also had this VHS of Double Dare, and it was like, uh, it ran you through the obstacle course and gave you tips on how to win. It was great. Whoa. I'm, I'm not, I've never heard of that. It was like, was it Double Dare behind the slime or something like that? Something like that, yeah. We watched it one time. Mark Summers is like super goofy in it. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to look that up. Gordon was also in The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Ah, he, does he work at the North Pole? No, he was the security was guard. The... Okay. He was the security guard in the prison scene. Well, I think he might be the one that gets wrapped up in the elf tape or whatever. Spoilers if you haven't seen The Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> okay, let's go back to the episode. We cut scenes and we see David spinning the wheel of his bike saying about how much he loved this bike. And then from behind him is Tommy on a bed and he's reading a book and he says, forget the bike. How are you going to get the cash to fix Chuck's car? Which is something that this child shouldn't have to do. Absolutely not. No. I mean, it's 100% Chuck's fault anyway. Like maybe the bike shouldn't have been there, but also you like look where you're driving. That kid was on the bike when you were pulling into the driveway. <laughs> like. Yeah, like five seconds earlier, that kid would be run over and he'd be like, oh, driveways are for cars, not people. David looks back at him saying, I put a lot of thought into this. I'm going to fix the bike and sell it. And Tommy laughs a little saying, as what, scrap metal? Put a little more thought into it. And I just got to say, by the way, 
I don't know if you guys noticed, but these kids have this awesome poster above above their bed of a dolphin breaching the water. It's majestic. <laughs> I missed it. It's pretty great. The kids hear some honking truck outside, so they jump out of bed and they race outside. And I thought it was going to be like, oh, mom's home. But no, it's the truck delivery is here. They got up like it was Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> they did. We go outside and there's this dude with this huge truck and the kids bum rush him. It almost reminded me of Nightly Neighbors. They were asking him if there's anything for them in there, which is insane. Why would there be something for you? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, pre-Amazon days. So like, you know. (laughs) The driver tells him that there's nothing in here unless you're Pim or Collins. And the kids tell him, nope, those are the new tenants. And the guy asks if he invited the kids over for dinner yet. And the kids say no. And the driver guy tells him that they will. And he hopes they're on the ground floor. The boys tell him, no, they're on the second floor. And the delivery guy says figures. And another dude opens up the truck and the kids look inside and they see boxes and boxes of shit. Labeled cooking supplies, like mixing bowls, pots and pans, freezer containers, and cooking utensils. And we just cut from that scene without another word, and we're back inside, and David and Tommy are working on fixing David's bike. And some girl walks up to them, which I thought was the mom at first, but it's not. And we get a voiceover from Megan saying that, That afternoon, people started coming to apply for the housekeeping job. And the lady walks upstairs, and the kids just keep working on the bike. About five seconds later, the lady walks back down the stairs, and Megan says, But... The two strange men were very particular about who they wanted. We fade, and now a guy walks up the stairs, and that fades, and he walks back down, and the kids look at him, and then he shrugs. This is just a montage of people (laughs) that just really want this job for some reason. I don't get it. Without spoiling the ending, do they ever really even clarify, like, what the job is? Maybe I missed it. The only thing they say is that they have to clean dishes. Like, we get to see the apartment later. It's not that big. (laughs) No. There can't be that many dishes. There's barely any anything in the apartment other than in the kitchen. So we fade. <laughs> and now the kids are outside and they're trying to put a wheel on the bike and another girl is walking behind them. And Megan tells us that people came one after the other. But Mr. Pym and Mr. Collins knew right away that they weren't right and sent them away. And that fades. And now the kids have the wheel back on that bike and the girls walking away from them. And Megan continues saying that the afternoon wasn't over yet. We get this shot of the bike completed and in working order. And the two brothers give each other a high five. And David gets on that bike. And he just starts to pedal. And the whole thing collapses on him. And it was pretty funny. This may be my favorite moment of the entire series. <laughs> I'm trying to get on this bike. <laughs> I, I rewound that part and watched it like seven or eight times. Uh, it is so perfect the music swells up tommy looks so proud of what he and his (laughs) brother have done he gets on that bike he's ready to ride off into the sunset and it just collapses on him it's pretty good it's very funny and uh i have to say i've i've really been enjoying the uh little like one minute uh, episode summaries you guys have been posting on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. So my, my my most sincere hope is that this moment, uh, if you do one for this episode, makes that's it the in. whole video. <laughs> A minute of it repeating. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about doing one that's just like one scene from the actual episode, but I, I don't know what to do yet. It's really tough to figure out what to put in that one minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's, it's really it's a real hard. Feat. I've loved watching them. Good luck to whoever does this one. I mean, it, you know, it's honestly just mostly bikes, and uh, there's an, there's an odd amount of time spent on bikes in this episode. 
considering it's about cannibals. Almost as much as in Forever Game. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a good point. So David is on the ground now. His bike has just collapsed. And some really big guy walks up to David on the ground saying, Excuse me. And David, with this weird penguin and snowflake fleece jacket, points, saying, Up the stairs, second floor. Don't get used to the place. And the guy nods and he walks past Tommy. And David shakes his head and Tommy walks up saying that he knew this was hopeless. And he starts gathering up the bike pieces as David takes off his helmet saying, Chuck's going to come after him. And he doesn't even he doesn't even have his bike to escape on. And we watch the kids kind of gather up the pieces. And then Tommy throws it to the ground saying, It's a waste of time. And David agrees saying that it's a pile of junk. Did you guys see that sweet penguin and snowflake jacket that David was wearing? No. I wish no. I had that. I didn't make a note of it at least. It was fantastic. You missed out. You guys are going to have to watch the episode again. <laughs> Put it in the video. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going in there. Then Tommy looks around and says, that's weird. And David asks, what? And Tommy says, that chubby guy never came back. And the two kids look up at the apartment and then they run over to it. We cut inside to the outside of Pim's and Colin's apartment. And there's now three fat dudes standing there. And Pim says, ho ho, I can tell by looking at you that you are. And Mr. Collins finishes saying, just the type we need. And Pim (laughs) invites him in saying, won't you have a cup of our famous pineapple cider? And the two kids are now crawling in the hallway to like sneakily get a look at this shit. Then, okay, this is the weirdest thing. And it happens so many times in this episode. This fat guy then shimmies in between Pim and Collins' bellies. (laughs) To get inside yeah. the apartment, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, they don't move from the door frame. They make the people walk in between them. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it. Imagine someone doing that to you in real life. I'm not sure I'd ever talk to that person again. <laughs> <laughs> so they walk in, and the two kids shrug, and then like they go back down the stairs a little bit, but they hear a scream, and David's all, what was that? Let's see. So he starts to go back up the stairs to check it out, but Tommy stops him saying that it's none of his business. So David calls him a chicken and he goes back up to see, but Tommy pulls him away. Um, even as a kid, if somebody like had a death scream, I wouldn't be like, well, it's their business. You know, I'd probably call (laughs) the police. Yeah, for sure. Or call my mom to be like, hey, like the new tenants are killing people. Yes. You would think that would be the first step, but they don't do that. There's, there's different kind of screams. There's like, I just saw a spider scream, and there's cannibals are trying to eat me screams. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when you hear that second one, you know, you do something about it. The scene fades, and we see the two boys hauling a trash can full of bike pieces when they're stopped by a crazy 50s-style dressed girl. Oh my god. Who says, Hello, young man. (laughs) I'm looking for... But David interrupts saying, Sorry, lady, too late. And Tommy tells her a guy went up yesterday and never left, so he probably got the job. And the lady sighs, saying, oh, was he rather large, man? And she shakes a little, and she's insane. My God. (laughs) David's like, you mean Tubby? Yeah. About like you, which is so funny. (laughs) Fucking shots fired. Oh, no. (laughs) Tommy hits David, and the girl says, ooh, yummy. Kind of like Miss Piggy. And she runs by the kids prancing and saying yummy. And David laughs saying, what are they auditioning for? The circus? Did you guys recognize this lady by chance? I never recognize anyone. Yeah, me neither. That's why I use IMDb. But 
This lady is Kathleen Fee, who we last saw as Nurse Hanton in The Tale of the Night Shift. She's got some, wow, really? she's got some acting range. Whoa, yeah. You throw a Minnie Mouse dress on her and she's a completely different person. Oh, that's an iconic dress. I feel like in 2020 that, like, that, that dress is in style. We cut, and now this girl's at the front door of the guy's apartments, and she knocks, and the door opens up, and Pim and Collins greet her, and the boys are back peeking around the hallway at this, and Collins invites this girl in for their famous pineapple cider, <laughs> and this lady jumps up saying, oh, yummy, and she shimmies between these two guys' guts oh, and yeah. into she's, the room. <laughs> it's almost like she's done this before. She, like, absolutely shimmies between them. <laughs> she's ready to go. <laughs> she knows the game. <laughs> they all laugh and i laughed too <laughs> and on the stairway david says that they should listen for another scream when a hand grabs the boys <laughs> ankles and drags Love them that. down the stairs which would probably Let's see hurt. if that woman gets murdered too <laughs> just passively watch <laughs> it's okay she's fat she doesn't matter that's the moral of the story <laughs> fat seems people like are expendable. it's harsh <laughs> But I thought it was the mom, but it's not. It's Chuck. And he said, wouldn't it make sense that it'd be the mom being like, kids, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yes. But it's not. It's Chuck. And he says, who are you two coconuts spying on? And David yells, nobody, let go. And Chuck tells him that he just found out that it's going to cost him 200 bucks to fix his car. From upstairs, we see Pim and Collins walking out of their door, and they listen in on this conversation. And Chuck tells the kids if they don't have the cash by Friday that they're toast. You got it? Toast! And he sniffs (laughs) and he walks away. And Pim looks at Collins saying, toast. Mmm. And Collins looks at him saying, a tasty idea. And then the two walk (laughs) back into their apartment. (laughs) Is this the first time they've heard of toast? (laughs) Toast isn't even that great. (laughs) Toasted bread, you say? (laughs) This changes everything. (laughs) This blows the door off the whole game. (laughs) They are gourmet chefs. (laughs) Talking about toast. (laughs) Toast with ketchup. You know, I gotta say, whoever was the first person that baked a piece of bread and was like, I'm gonna bake this again. Like, props to them. (laughs) For inventing toast. I think about those moments all the time. Shout out to the people who figured it out for us. For real. Like, what kind of crazy person is like, bake it again? (laughs) (laughs) I I often think about milk a lot. Like, who was the first person to go, I'm going to squeeze that udder, and then I'm going to drink it. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is way off topic, but... uh... No, it's okay. I love milk. You're good. It is very on topic. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your pineapple cider dealer. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, Brandon and I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Our Patreon-exclusive giveaway has concluded, and the winner is Kathy. Congratulations! If you'd like to be a winner like Kathy and unlock a ton of bonus content, early episodes, bloopers, and so much more, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash private island and sign up today. With tiers starting as low as $1 a month, it's the perfect time to support the show and get extra content. I'll be sending out a round of stickers to our new patrons this week. 
I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth Heather, Angela, Eddie, and newest patron Mia, the Silver Goth Shane, Stephen, Matt, and other newest patron Kaylee, the Golden Day Days Bryce, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. We've opened up our Patreon-exclusive Discord server to the public. For an invite, check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash privateisland. Come chat with me, share some memes, and have a goof with other fans of the show. Are you looking for more laughs? Be sure to check us out on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents for tons and tons of content. We make videos, GIFs, memes, and abridged episodes of the show condensed down into one hilarious minute or less. Check it out, give us a follow, and tune in weekly for our watch parties on Instagram. Do you have a question for us? Send them to us through email. It's privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We're always taking and hoarding questions for our season wrap-up episodes, so please get them in. Take a moment out and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us out in the charts and get us noticed. We just hit over 25,000 total downloads this week, and we are super excited to see how far we can go before we finish out the last season. For a quick link to everything, check out the Linktree link in the episode description. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now I'm going to play the promo for one of my absolute favorite podcasts, Three Spooked Girls with hosts Tara and Jessica, who tackle everything from paranormal to true crime. Hey there, I'm Tara. And I'm Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal or murder, join us on Mondays for full-length episodes where we discuss our favorite paranormal stories and true crime cases. And join us again on Thursdays for our mini-sodes called Stabby Snippets, where we tell you all about true crimes happening in the news. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell else you listen to your pods at. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, by using the handle at Three Spooked Girls. Come and hang out with us and get your spooky on while we scare the hell out of you. The Three Spooked Girls. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'll let you get back to the fun of gruesome gourmets. Bye, everyone. We cut, and we see someone looking through some binoculars up at those two dudes' apartments. And David says that there's something fishy going on up there. And Tommy says, fishy? They only say that on TV. David tells him that he wants to get a look inside, and that they should go up the fire escape. And Tommy tells him no, and David asks, why not? And if he's being chicken again. But Tommy says, no, you'll need a lookout down here. So David's all, yeah, where it's safer, weenie. And he walks away, and he looks back at Tommy for a moment, and then walks up the fire escape. He gets to the top, and then he looks inside their apartment with the binoculars, like, like that would help. <laughs> David's not a yeah. bright child. Yeah, you're right at their window. <laughs> <laughs> Looking in with binoculars. <laughs> he sees a bunch of cooking utensils, and the camera pans over to show us Pim and Collins, and they're sitting at a table eating some food and drinking that bomb-ass pineapple cider, and they've got a big red polka dot napkins on, just like what that fat lady was wearing, and they clink their glasses, and we look down, and we see that the tablecloth looks just like the shirt that that fat guy from before was wearing. Then we cut to David outside the window, and a bubble image pops up of that fat guy we saw earlier talking to David, just to remind us that he was wearing that shirt. This certainly uh, wet my appetite as to what was happening. 
Andrew, when we talked about this, like complained that he thought it was just blatantly obvious, you it's know, what the, conclu- what the conclusion would be. But yeah. I think if I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, shoot, like they have their clothing. Those people are dead. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's a little over the top to have like that thought bubble appear next to him. But I don't know his his reaction to it. And like you can see the wheels turning in his head while he, we got this camera focused on him and the bubble. Like, it's not terrible. I didn't care for it, but it wasn't that bad. I can forgive it. It's a bit over the top. Just like this episode, though, so it kind of fits in. Yeah. yeah. David freaks out, and he falls backwards, knocking over a flower pot. And he did a super good job at that. Like, it's really believable that he, he walked backwards and, like, fell over. It was it was great. And we hear yeah. Collins yell, something's amiss from inside. And Pim opens up the door, and he checks and sees that his precious flower pot has been knocked over. And then he shrugs and goes back inside. (laughs) (laughs) David runs by, and Mr. Collins' head pops up out of a window, saying, Careful, young man. One slip in your hamburger meat. (laughs) (laughs) And David's all, I was, um, looking for my basketball. And Collins looks over at him, saying, All the way out here? And David yells, Yeah, that's why I need the binoculars. From behind him, the door opens up and Pim walks out saying, won't you come in for dinner? And then we get another bubble reminding us of the fat lady wearing the polka dot dress. And David just stares at him as he asks to help the kid inside. And David yells, no, I mean, I'm not hungry. I mean, I gotta go. And he runs back down the fire escape as Pim smiles at Collins. And then he like pantomimes that there's a little something, something on Collins face. So Collins wipes it with their napkin and then Pim goes back inside and it's really sweet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do seem in love. They're just... Yeah, uh, they do. They're a great couple. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. We cut, and now someone is creeping up on a door, and then they open it, and it's David, and he's just busting into Pim and Collins' <laughs> apartment. He doesn't even unlock the door, he just busts in it. He closes the door behind him and gets out a flashlight, and he looks around, and it looks like, like I said, we're in the two guys' apartment. It's dark. There's a ton of cooking stuff everywhere. There's even some damp soup on the stove that's steaming, which is just super unsafe. We look around the room some more, and then David walks over to the tablecloth and checks it out and confirms that it's the same clothing uh, that the two fat people were wearing that went up there before. And he looks over at the kettle with the steaming soup, and he throws the red polka dot dress napkin away and creeps up to the kettle. He opens it up, he lifts up the ladle, and he freaks out because there's a human finger in there. Is that what that was? Yes. It was very dark, but it was a human finger. I thought... That's probably what it was, given the context, but I could not make out what was there. Same thing. I, I wasn't quite sure, but it looked like a finger, and, uh, you know, again, I like the kind of subtlety. I do, too. It's like that one time when that Wendy's Chili had the finger in it. Remember that, guys? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but yes. We hear Collins scream, who's out there? And David drops a ladle. He looks around, and he opens a door and runs through it. And inside, it's a freezer. And that goddamn fat dude is literally chilling on a meat hook. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, this sequence is great. Like, one of the most, I think, bold sequences in Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's crazy. It, honestly, it was. It reminded me of Goodfellas. I don't know. Have you seen Goodfellas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, spoilers for Goodfellas. There's a part where a guy's <laughs> frozen in a meat truck. <laughs> Man, spoiling Goodfellas and Santa and Claus. Santa I mean, Claus. all the classics. <laughs> You're going to have to put a disclaimer at the start of this episode. <laughs> Well, it honestly reminded me of Goodfellas. Like, the makeup of him being frozen in that meat locker or whatever is really good. Like, he's got, 
you know, ice crystals on his eyelashes and stuff. It's great. Yeah, it looks it looks really cool. David takes a few steps back and he bumps into the body of the fat lady who is also frozen. And then she opens up her eyes and screams, "Gimme!" and starts strangling David. "Gimme what?" <laughs> um, I don't know. Something good to eat? I don't know. She's hungry, yeah. We zoom into David's mouth and then back out, and now we're in David's bedroom, and he's screaming and being strangled by Chuck, who says, you better scream, Toast Boy, because by tomorrow, you gotta come up with 200 bucks. And I'm just sitting here wondering, how the hell did he get into his room? I don't know. I feel like this crosses several lines. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is like 101 on like what not to do with children. How not to talk to them, how not to go into their rooms. Don't give him all these responsibilities. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Tommy, who's in the bed across the room, says, I hate that guy. And I wonder if Chuck is even out of the room yet. <laughs> <laughs> and David gets up saying, forget him. I figured out what's going on upstairs. You can't just say forget him to a guy who chokes you in your sleep. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> he sneaks in your room and chokes you while you're unconscious. For like, $200. <laughs> eh, forget it. That's how you become a 35-year-old man with some deep problems. This is what happened to Andy's uncle in the tale of the dark music. Yeah. Tommy asks, what? And David, who's furiously getting on his pants, says, you know all those giant pots and pans and those disappearing people and the stuff made from their clothes and the pineapple cider they drink just before disappearing? And I kind of made that a little shorter because Tommy slowly says yeah to each of them. And David says, Tommy, I know what's going on. Our new tenants are cannibals. And he runs out the door as Tommy falls back into his bed. We cut, and now we're looking outside at the apartment building or whatever it's called. And Tommy says, I'm not breaking in. But David holds up the key saying, it's not breaking in when you have the key. And the kids walk up the stairs, and Tommy says that he doesn't know. But David assures him that all they gotta do is find proof they're cannibals, take it to the police, and get a reward. And he can pay off Chuck, and they all live happily ever after. Pretty solid plan, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Well thought through. He goes to unlock the door, but Tommy stops him, saying, What are we going to find that proves they're cannibals? And David starts to say something, but Tommy stops him, saying, On second thought, don't answer that. And the boys are interrupted by Mr. Collins talking, and Pim and Collins exit their room, and Pim is talking about how they're going to get something that big up the stairs without the boys seeing. And Collins tells him, Indeed, this is a pickle. And they're getting rather suspicious. And Pim's now walking down the stairs saying if they discover their little secret, they'll just have to have them for dinner. And Collins agrees, and David says... Which is a weird thing to say in any circumstance. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) So, I'm just flabbergasted by this. David was going to break into that apartment without even checking whether or not Pim and Collins were there. (laughs) At all. Like, if you're going to break into someone's place, you case the joint for a few seconds. No. You wait until they go get the paper or something. But he was just going to barge in while they're watching TV and be like, Ha ha, I got you, cannibal scum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, well. What a terrible plan. You would think he would go back up the fire escape and, like, look and see if they're home, but nah. He skips right to step three, man. He, t- he doesn't care. Collins agrees, and David says from inside the closet they're, that they're hiding in, you hear that? They want to have us for dinner. And Tommy's all, we got to tell mom. And David's like, yeah, right. Hey, mom, our neighbors are cannibals. Nobody's going to believe us without proof. The two kids walk out of the closet. They use the key on the door. They open it up, and they walk inside. And we see Chuck from outside the door walk up and put a chair in front of it so the kids can't get out that way. And then he calls them cheeseheads, saying, that'll teach him for messing with my car. What is Chuck doing? 
Why is he everywhere? I don't know. He's just the babysitter's boyfriend. He's omnipresent. <laughs> As all babysitter's boyfriends are. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Hopefully he dies. Inside the room, Tommy thinks that this place is a nightmare, and David tells him to look around for something, so he touches a few things, saying, I'm looking, but I don't want to find anything. And outside, Pim and Collins ushers each other out the gate. It's really cute. Like, they're like, oh, you go first. No, you go first. And then one of them goes first. And they walk up to this delivery driver who says, hey, I got a delivery for you two guys. And Collins is all, isn't that nice? You saved us a trip. Now, I'm just going to I'm just going to say this episode has the most back and forth, I think, of any episode ever. And that's including the back and forth with like Locker 22 and (laughs) pretty much every other episode that this show has given us. Yeah, the back and forth tension is a little extreme in this one. Back with the boys, David yells, hey, look at this. And he looks up at some cookbooks on a shelf saying, how to serve six people? Trim the fat off your man. (laughs) 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 The carnivore's guide to picking the right cut of meat. And Tommy's all, cannibal cookbooks. And David grabs one off the shelf saying, let's see what the main ingredient is. And he opens up that gigantic book and it's hollowed out and there's some jewelry inside. David grabs it saying, jewelry from their victims. Tommy's all, yeah, but it doesn't prove anything. So David hears some steam and looks over and then sees that these two idiots just want to start a house fire because they've left a kettle on and it's just steaming away. (laughs) Yeah, they were not planning on coming back so soon. Outside, we see the delivery guys lift out a big package and Pims is telling him to be careful that they don't want to bruise anything. And Colin side-eyes Pim knowingly. Once we know what's in the package, um, yeah. saying we don't want to bruise it is a very weird thing to say. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but what are they trying to tell us that it is? It, are they trying to say it's a person? Because it's not even the shape of a person. Like, <laughs> I think a person. I don't, I don't know what they want us to think it is. I certainly wouldn't think metal uh, if they said bruise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back inside, the kids get closer to the soup kettle. With the men, they lift in that package, which is big like a painting almost. Back inside, the kids open up the lid and they look inside, and it's meatballs. And the kids sigh, and Tommy says, proves one thing, they like Italian food. (laughs) (laughs) That proves it. (laughs) Case closed. Back downstairs, the two guys struggle to get that package inside, and they get stuck in a doorway, and then they figure out that they gotta go through it sideways. Back with the kids, David says, "Uh uh-oh. And Tommy's like, what? And David looks over at the freezer door. They slowly walk over to it and they open it up. And we cut back with the men and they're still lifting the package all around. And Pim's complaining that his suspenders are going to fall. And they're struggling to get this shit up the stairs. Inside the freezer, there's a giant tub of beans with a label saying Frank's Beans. The camera pans up and we see something wrapped in paper called Steak Diane. Then Virginia Ham, Hamburger Patty, and the classic Head Cheese. And like I said, I think that's why uh, everybody's name wasn't food, because then they couldn't use all these incredible puns. <laughs> Just saving it up. This is where the volcanic eruption of puns happens. David's all, It's people food, man. I mean, it's food made from people. But you look at those the franken beans, and it's clearly beans and hot dogs. <laughs> like, I don't know. Tommy lifts up the shirt the fat guy was wearing, and then the two kids scream at each other and run out of the freezer and try to open up the front door, but they can't. Outside the door, the men are walking up the stairs. Back inside, Tommy scream whispers, It's the cannibals! And they push a small table in front of the door. 
With the men, Collins says, something's amiss. Inside, David tells him, quick, the back door. Outside, Collins wonders aloud, what's going on in there? Inside, the boys try the window, but they can't get it open. Outside the room, Pym and Collins put their hat on a post, nod to each other, and move the chair and open the door up. But it's stuck on that little-ass table. (laughs) Which is, honestly, probably the funniest part to me. Like, this little (laughs) side table is the most easily pushed-down table. Yeah. And it stops these two adult men. (laughs) Again, they're not good with door frames. The boys see that table moving, and then they run. The two men burst into their apartment, and Pym asks, Who's in here? And Collins looks over and sees that his cookbook hiding spot is open, saying, It's those nosy little boys. I can smell them. And we cut over to David and Tommy, and they're hiding in the freezer. And we hear Pym say that they're going to find themselves in hot water very soon. And the two men smile to themselves, and we cut. And now we're with Candy and Chuck. And Candy's all, I can't believe you locked him in there. And Chuck tells her, hey, those squids deserved it. And Candy looks at him saying, you know, sometimes you really are a meathead. Okay, stay here while I straighten this out. And Chuck takes a seat at the foot of the staircase and Candy walks upstairs and is about to knock on the door when the door opens up and the two guys walk out saying, well, hello. (laughs) Candy says hi, introduces herself as the boys' babysitter and says that she hopes they're not being pains. Colin looks at her saying, Candy, how sweet. And Pim invites her in. So she says, oh, and she laughs and she squeezes between the gentlemen. And then from the freezer, <laughs> yeah, from the freezer, we hear them inviting Candy in. And Tommy looks at David saying, oh, no, they got Candy. With Candy, she sits down at their table and Pim offers her a cup of their famous pineapple cider. In the freezer, David's all, they're making her pineapple cider. And Tommy says, so? And David explains that every time the people disappeared, that's what the cannibals gave them. With Candy, she asks if the guys are sure the boys aren't there. And Pim says, Candy, what a delightful name. And he pours something in a mug. When up pops Collins, who says, nothing tastes sweeter. And he smiles and he pours in some pineapple juice. In the freezer, Tommy says that they got to do something. And David asks, like what? And Collins walks up to Candy with that cup saying, Nothing like a hot cup of pineapple cider to cure what's eating you. In the freezer, Tommy says, I know what's eating her. Or what's gonna be eating her. Oh no. With Candy, she gets up saying, you know, I should really find those boys. But Pim tells her, nonsense, not before your cider. And she sits back down. In the freezer, Tommy says that they gotta stop her, but David says, forget it. And Tommy's all, David, who's chicken now? We cut back to Candy, who's picked up the cup and says, you know, I don't really like cider. And she giggles, and Pim tells her that she'll like this cider, that it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And Colin giggles. Yeah, they're really fucking pushy with this drink. (laughs) it's famous if some creepy guys are just like no you have to drink this like nah don't yeah no means no yeah i'm not gonna lie guys i kind of want some pineapple cider (laughs) i think it'd be good Hot pineapple juice sounds like maybe the worst thing i can think of (laughs) Mm, i forgot it was hot i was assuming it'd be cold never mind in the freezer tommy picks up a big bucket of ice as david complains that he doesn't want to be lunch back with candy she picks up the cup and she lifts it to her lips In the freezer, Tommy says that he's tired of being the responsible one. With Candy, she's about to take a drink from that cup when out busts David and Tommy. And Tommy screams, Don't drink it, the cannibals! He dives across the table and he slaps the cup away from her. (laughs) (laughs) And Candy screams, and Pim and Collins do too, and the kids shake something in their face, and then Tommy runs up to David, grabs a bucket of ice, and throws it all over the floor, and the two fat guys dance around on the ice, and everyone escapes. 
What a wild sequence of events that was. We cut and we see Pims and Colin talking to the police. And the camera pans back and we see mom looking out the window. Then she turns and she looks at the boys in disgust, saying, Cannibals? That is ridiculous. And she walks away from them and David chases her, saying, Okay, then how do you explain the giant stove and weird tools? And in walks Pim and Collins. They just, like, teleport. And Pim says, Because gourmet cooks require special equipment. And as for the large size, well, we have sizable appetites. And they both giggle. Tommy asks, but we heard that guy scream, and then he disappeared. And Collins tells him, yes, he took one look at that filthy stack of pots and fainted. And Pim adds in, he left after he came, too. I guess he didn't want the job. You must have missed him. And David asks, what about the jewelry and the phony cookbook? And Pim explains that they keep their valuables hidden in case of intruders. And he looks over at Collins, saying, apparently we need a safer place. Tommy looks at them, saying, okay, okay. What about the lady in the polka dot dress? You made napkins out of her clothes. And the door outside opens up, and that lady walks in, saying, hello. Right on cue. late for dinner? <laughs> it's pretty perfect. Pim smiles, saying, not at all. You're right on time. And the lady jumps up, excited, in her green polka dot dress or whatever. And she's saying, oh, yummy. And she turns around, and she pulls out a red polka dot dress, saying that she brought them another present. Collins excitedly says, Aprons! To match the polka dot napkins you gave us! How lovely! And the lady yells out, I just love polka dots! And David's like, so, what's the deal with the cider? And Pim says, oh, you mean our famous pineapple cider? And Mom has a bottle of it in her hand, <laughs> and she's showing it off like Vanna White! <laughs> Yeah, like that she just an, bought one. Like a 90s commercial. It's great. I loved it. Yeah. She just has it in her hand like, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and Pimps is all, we blush. And Mom tells the boys that they owe the men an apology. And David says that he's sorry he thought they ate people. And Tommy says, me too. And Pimps says, apology graciously accepted. And David, so that there are no hard feelings, we have something for you. And they get that giant package from earlier, and Collins tells him to open it. So, David walks over, he opens it up, and it's a new bicycle. And David's all, oh man, thank you. And Colin tells them to celebrate their new friendship. Why don't you all join us for dinner this evening? We're having a very special meal. And Pim adds in, it's a luau theme. They even had special placemats made. Colin says that they're cooking up something extra special. Chuck steak on toast. <laughs> Which is not what you would eat at a luau. <laughs> and the men laugh and giggle, and Tommy and David look at each other, and that's the end. Yeah, they're about to murder Chuck. I'm okay with that. Honestly, if they're going to eat anybody, <laughs> let it be Chuck. Um, I'm just not sure, you know, I still think things don't quite add up here. I think these guys might be cannibals. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they they didn't kill a couple of people, which is, you know, good for them, but... I think they still probably eat people. You guys are yeah. mean. I think that they're just life partners that enjoy making food for people. How to trim the fat from your man? No, they're they're killers. <laughs> I I love that this is like the anti are you afraid of the dark? It's uh, you know, leading you in a direction and there's just like absolutely no like mystery or sci-fi elements to it it's just a misunderstanding and yeah. i get that's that's probably not why people are watching are you afraid of the dark but you know as a older man now i i feel like oh that was kind of fun i i think i said maybe i mentioned it before i don't know if you guys watch this show it reminds me of like a eerie indiana episode i could see that yeah it has that vibe of like putting the kids in the tupperware kind of thing yeah 
Yeah, exactly. Just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I think that this episode is one that I would hate if I watched this as like a kid. Kind of like Full Moon too. Like I feel like if I watched that as a kid, I wouldn't have liked it. But being an adult, like I can totally appreciate the the directional choices and the script choices and the acting chops and it's fun. It's a fun episode. I like this episode, but for me, I think the entire time I was watching it, I was kind of thinking this is a little bit of a pale imitation of Tale of the Full Moon. Yeah. And the thing about the Tale of the Full Moon is, you know, I actually like went back and listened a little bit to what I said about the Tale of the Full Moon in that episode. And I wasn't super hot on it, it turns out. Like, I forgot. I I wasn't in love with that episode. But I think that episode has grown on me more and more because I didn't watch this show growing up. So I had preconceived notions of what this show was. And in my head, from all the, like, marketing materials I've seen and the legacy it has, like, in my head it was just, this is this dark, scary show for kids But, you know, it's spooky. And when I saw that episode, I was like, what is this? And I was kind of thrown off by it. But, man, Tale of the Full Moon is a great episode of TV. And this this is really good, too. But I feel like they really just were like, let's let's try to do an episode like that. Like even their their way to make it kind of wacky is to dress everybody up in 50s clothes, which is what Full Moon did. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems seems a little bit like copycat yeah i didn't really touch on it too but the music is kind of zany in this episode as well yeah i mean i think without a doubt full moon is a better episode than this but i think Mm -hmm. this has like the same kind of uh, i'll be interested like as time goes on if like this has somewhat of a lasting quality like it's kind of fun to think about pim and collins I, not that I'm thinking about gruesome yeah. gourmets every day, but you know when it. When it uh... <laughs> I will be, but <laughs> um, this episode but... is memorable for sure. Yeah, there, there's there's like a quality to it that's um not very. Are you afraid of the dark? And I think that's kind of what I like about it. I totally. Yeah, agree. I will take I will take a thousand episodes like this over a misfortune cookie. <laughs> So at the campfire, Megan lifts up a glass saying, the end, and she takes a sip, and Tucker says, so, what did you bring to eat? And Megan tells him something very special. It's my favorite. And Vange closes her bag of trail mix saying that she doesn't think that she's hungry anymore. And Megan pulls out this absolute unit of a sandwich. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Quinn gets up saying, oh, that's roast beef, right? And Megan tells him, not exactly. And Andy asks what it is. And Megan tells him, well, it's tasty. It's meaty. It's tongue. And that grosses the kids out and they run away. And with Megan, she says, bone apple tea. And she bites into the gigantic sandwich. And that's the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. If she finishes that thing. That sandwich was so massive. Yeah. She's working too hard here at these Midnight Society segments. She knew the legacy of Kristen, and she said, I'm going to trump that. <laughs> I mean, Andy brought in a hat with some cookies in it. She's brought a table, <laughs> glasses. As far as I'm concerned, she out Kristen Kristen. So, yeah. any final thoughts on this episode, you guys? It's good. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think as you'll find out in season six and seven, it's it's not good as in season one through five good, but it is good for seasons six and seven, I think. 
Yeah, I can see that. You know, we talk about this a little bit in Zombie Dice. There's this weird thing in season six where it seems like the writers and they just like have a dartboard and they just throw darts at things and it landed on, <laughs> um, you know, a forest bike ride leads to board games and a Absolutely. arcade leads to shrinking children. It's really weird. And at least yeah. this episode gave us a solid, understandable concept and script and everything yeah the yeah, darts was... like fell off and hit the vhs of nightly neighbors and full moon <laughs> yeah. a piece of toast and a bike <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i i love that analogy or i love that imagery of yeah them just throwing darts it, trust me like there is some stuff coming up here where it doesn't uh feel less random um okay okay <laughs> But yeah, this episode is pretty focused. Um, zombie, di- yeah, zombie dice is another good example of like something that seemed on its surface like it could really work, and they were just throwing too much stuff in with like the fingerprints and uh, yeah, the shrinking kids and the Klimbo. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, too much. So, moral of the story for gruesome gourmets. What do you think we got here, guys? I think an obvious one is don't eat people. Yeah, I suppose so. Don't eat people. You know, I think it's don't judge a book by its cover. Honestly, that's probably what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> don't allow your babysitter to bring her boyfriend over. That's a life lesson that's, right there. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. On many, many like facets, that's a life lesson. Yeah, for sure. So like, many. Just, just check somebody's place before you break into it. See if they're in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The tale of the gruesome gourmet. Um. God, I think we can come up with a better name than that, right, you guys? Yeah. I appreciate the alliteration, at least. Alliterations are pretty dope, yeah. How about the tale of the perfectly normal neighbors? <laughs> the, yeah. The tale of the hungry neighbors? Go go like a nightly neighbors hybrid Ooh, and hungry hybrid. I always love yeah. hybrid names, yeah. Tale of the food puns. Damn it, I was just going to say that, you fucker. <laughs> the, ta- the tale of people food. The tale of Soylent Green? The tale of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. The tale of the tasty toast. A little homage to um, Twilight Zone, the tale to serve man. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. I love that episode. The tale of the fat shaming children. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, let's see. I- I'm sorry, Joey. You already know the answer to this, but Brandon, do you want to know what's coming up next? Yeah, what is it? All right. The next episode that we're going to be covering is... Oh boy. Um The Tale of Jake the Snake. <laughs> what? Oh my okay. god, yes. Wrestling done. Wrestling. <laughs> this is just clearly gonna be that PSA from the eighties of that guy who was like, Yo kid, want some drugs? And he's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they call him Jake the Snake in that PSA. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind if that's what it is. I'm I'm down for a good like drug bust. Are you afraid of the dark episode hitting the hitting the real deal scary stuff of the world? Tale of Jake the Snake. Yeah. Um. Who do you think's gonna tell the tale of Jake the Snake? Hmm. This seems like a Quinn. It's got to be a Quinn, right? It has to be right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to tell a story at some point or get out. <laughs> He's the Frank of season one. Like. <laughs> um, He's just there for the snacks. I mean, I'm I'm so excited for you guys. You've never seen Jake the Snake before? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for you guys. When we did our season 6 ranking, 
um, I was just so enamored with Jake the Snake that we ended up doing its own episode review. Um, oh, shit. Okay. It's it's a ride, guys, and uh, I can't wait to see what you think of it. I'm excited. I am, too. This episode has an 8.8 out of 10 with 605 reviews on IMDb. <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> means it's horrible. It's a little bit better than Misfortune Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh god. Few thing few things are better than that. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Joey. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I, I I'm so happy to discuss gruesome gourmets with people who uh, are also fans. I like to consider myself a gourmet. I eat toast all the time. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> You're part of the Big Orange Couch podcast. Can you tell people more about that? Where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, uh, your website, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. We're on uh, Twitter at BOC Podcast, and we are on Instagram, which uh, we're a little more interactive on, uh, which is Orange Couch Podcast. And we're on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and we really love hearing from people. Uh, so check us out uh, if you want to hear us talk about Shelby Woo one time. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't wait for the Caitlin <laughs> Way episode, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the Eddie McDowd episodes, they're coming, right? <laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> the, the, see, the thing that is like the longer the longer we go, the more it's like, no, we're not we're not talking about stuff we don't want to talk about. So we're getting a little more selfish. No, you, you guys are coming up to episode 200 here in a while. Well, I mean, you're at like 170-something, but I mean, yeah. man, you guys have been around for a long time. Um, you guys are really... If you if you're looking for that n- nostalgic '90s Nickelodeon stuff, that's not just Are You Afraid of the Dark. You guys are you guys are great. I love it. Yeah, thanks so much, and yeah, we we love you guys too. Um, oh so goodness, keep it you. up. I I I, I, uh, <laughs> I I mean I'm gent like my I, I had been listening, but like when you got to season six, like my antennas were like, okay, I'm really <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see what these guys make of this. <laughs> I was um, I've been excited for season six and seven since we started because I've never really watched them. I will say I've seen three episodes in season seven, which I'm assuming you you could figure out which ones they are, but I'm not going to say anything more. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Was a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this good. again sometime. We'll bring you back for our Caitlin's Way podcast. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll pass that off to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I have been up all night, you guys. I'm going back to sleep. I've had enough of today. (laughs) It's like somebody poured water on you. Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.